get the full bonfire experience on your screen youtube.com slash bonfire sports thumbs up subscribe you'll know when we're live enjoy the games Blue Bombers quarterback Zach Kolaris will miss his first start of the season for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Friday night in Calgary as the Bombers take on the three and six Stampeders. And while Zach Kolaris will not start, he will dress not as the number two, but the number three quarterback as Drew Brown gets his second career CFL start in his third year with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Welcome everybody inside Bonfire Sports. This is Game Day Winnipeg, your pregame show as we look at the Bombers and the Stampeders and everything around your favorite football club. My name is Darren Bombing. Let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend, number 63, Chris Walby to the program. Chris, when you saw the injury to Zach Kolaris, no doubt... Fear is one of the first things that comes to mind. Must be a very reassuring sign that this is evidently a minor neck injury and that he will dress as the third stringer. Has to be good news. Well, that's a smart thing. I think the club, all through this stage, I thought that the club shouldn't be playing this game anyway, especially after the way that, uh, you know, Drew Brown coming in in a hard situation there after the injury. And playing so well, I mean, he looked like he had played 15 games. He looked like a pure vet. Yeah. Uh, just, a, just a great job of uh, – you know, the biggest thing that really um, impressed me was his ability to escape the rush. There was a lot of pressure on him. Uh, he avoided that rush much like, uh, you know, Zach does and uh, made plays where plays were not meant to be. So I was very impressed with him. Um, I think we're in a right good situation. I think the biggest thing that he did – as Drew Brown has just increased his dollar value immensely. I'm not talking this year, but I'm talking next year because there's a number of teams in this CFL that would love to have number, you know, Drew Brown, uh, you know, number six behind the uh, their quarterback. Now, for those that don't know, Drew Brown is a pending free agent. So he's entering his third there and final go. year with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which means this coming winter, Notably, mid-February, right around Valentine's Day is when CFL free agency opens. Yeah, Drew Brown is going to have to make a decision. And what you're saying, Chris, is that from what we've seen in Drew Brown, yeah, albeit a small picture, but also yeah. considering the current quarterback situation league-wide in the CFL, do you think Absolutely. a team would offer Drew Brown in excess of, say, $400,000 no. to be their QB1? No, I don't think he's going to get that kind of money. I still think that you have to, you know, I really think that was a great first step that he took. I mean, listen, this is a guy that's in his career. It's just his first career start for the Bombers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, no I know second. he's got, what, 10? Second? Okay, he's got 10 yeah, it's touchdowns, his first, two interceptions. It's his first, first real career. one. He got a late season real. one with yeah, a bunch of rest, okay. starters I'm wrestling. I'm used right? to being contradicted by you, DB. It's okay. You but, know, uh, Listen, I love it, man. Uh, but listen, that's the first strong step he took. Now he has to develop that and keep continuing to develop as a quarterback. Um, but you, like you said, he's in his third year. He knows the system. He, it's whether Paula Police or Buck Pierce as the coordinator, he he understands it. And I think that uh, he can run with this right now. Um, I just think that what he wants to do is play within his own strengths. 
Um, you know, they don't have to cut the playbook for this guy because I'm like I said I, earlier, I was very impressed with his ability to get away, to scramble out of pressure. And his eyes are always downfield, which is something I thought. Some of the throws that he made were right on, and I really loved them. I mean, a couple right by the sidelines. I mean, they had to be pinpointed. They're going the other way. So, um, yeah. I mean, to come into that game down 22 to nothing, throw four touchdowns. Uh, coincidentally, it's the first time the Bombers, I believe, have thrown four, two four, four touchdowns in back-to-back games. So that's quite interesting for a stat for you stat lovers, but – uh, listen, I, I, I think it's been pretty good, man. I mean, I'm looking forward to see what he does tomorrow, but I, to go back to your question, I think it's the best move the Bombers are doing. you got a whole, you know, you're starting the second half of your season now. Why even risk putting Zach in? There's no reason for it. You're seven and two, uh, you know, regardless what comes out of this game, you're still going to be okay. Uh, now the Bombers have not fared fantastic in Cowtown. I think they've only had two wins in the last four. But, uh, you know, this isn't your older brother's Calgary Stampeders. This team is struggling. That's, a, that's the thing. But, and they're missing a couple key guys, but they're also getting a couple that we'll get into the lineup. They're getting a couple of real key guys back as well. So, yeah, it, you know, we never, Calgary always plays tough. But there's some interesting things that are just, you know, I, I watched the last two Calgary games on film just to see how they were playing. I don't think Jake Meyer threw one or uh, he might have thrown five balls over 20 yards. If Everything that. was sideline, dink and dunk. I don't know how you, when you're in a second long situation and you throw a flat pass, hoping he breaks a tackle, you're going to, I was very surprised. And evidently this is the head coach, Dave Dickinson making the calls. So I think they have to well, be way more aggressive, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I will correct you there. What okay. now? Okay. Because it is not Dave Dickinson calling the plays. It is uh, Brent, Brent Monson. Or pardon me. Oh. It's, is that oh, right? Brent Monson's defense coordinator. It is Mark Mueller calling the plays. Mark he's the quarterback's Mueller, coach. my old buddy. Yeah. My old, my old driver from the Grey Cups. I know he's the quarterback coach. I did not know he was running the – there you go. Yeah, so Danny Austin of Post Media Calgary, fantastic reporter, joined yes. me on oh, Bonfire Midweek last night. If you haven't caught that episode, Winston Rose stopped by right off the top. Awesome conversation with him. I'll put a little card up in the top of the screen here uh, for the replay. For those watching live, you guys know where to find it. Um, but Danny told me uh, on uh, Bonfire Midweek last night that – a lot of people think and presume, I and I get it, that uh, Dave Dickinson is calling the plays, but he's not. Yeah, I thought that too. And I mean, uh, you know, he's always got his headset and he's got the play thing, but maybe they're doing a couple of different things. But uh, And it's really weird, but I guess that makes sense because, I mean, when you think about him, uh, you know, Mark's up in the, in the booth, much like Buck Pierce is in the booth overseeing, yep. you're looking down on the field a little easier to make a call. Uh, than in the congestion of a team that's surrounding you. So uh, good for Mark. Listen, I'm, I, I know Mark personally. He's a great guy. Um, and I'm sure he's going to rebound and, and, and you know, try and put a, a great game plan against a very talented Bomber defense. Well, while you are good friends with Mark Mueller, the reality is he and the Calgary Stampeders offense, and probably most notably Jake Mayer, taking a lot of heat because yep. the Stampeders just do not stretch the field CFL.ca was like hyping up Jake Mayer a couple weeks ago saying he was 91.6% passing. Yeah, well, and that was the yeah. best pass percentage in Stampeders history. 
But the reality is he didn't throw the ball downfield. It's all dink and dunk. It's all underneath. It's all in the backfield. They rely on this very strange, frankly, offense. And yeah. this is this is what Danny and I talked about. And I, I think it'll be part of the challenge for the Blue Bombers. It was something I even asked Winston Rose about last night. And it's this. If a team has a strong run game and they don't stretch the field with the pass, is it the fault of the receivers not getting open? Is it the fault of the offensive coordinator? Is it the fault of the quarterback, right? Or, and this is what I asked Winston Rose about, is it dangerous because the double move is a lot easier to sell when play after play after play, it's all short and those DBs, the safety, the corners, the halves are all coming up in the box to make tackles. Yeah, and I think the other thing you have to look at is when you look, he's number two in a passing yardage, yet he's doing a dunk and dunk, you know, dink and dunk passing offense. So obviously that tells you one thing. He's getting a lot of yak yards or the yards after the catch by whoever gets the ball. Yeah. Uh, they're making plays. So, I mean, he hasn't stretched the field. He hasn't thrown a – has, listen, he didn't throw a touchdown. The mayor has not thrown a touchdown against the Bombers in the first time he met July 7th. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in the last three games. There's a lot of pressure on the young man to come out and play like he can play. I mean, this is a guy that they, they basically anointed him, got rid of Bo Levi, said Bo Levi is too old, and uh, they anointed him the king of the Cowtown, you know, making him wow. like the man. It's yeah, they made him out. You watched what he played. When I, when I first saw his first ever game was against the Bombers, he went, I think, 19 at 20 or something like that. Yeah, I think he went 17 he went for 17 to start. Yeah. It was crazy. And, then, and I went, yeah. who is this kid? He's on, I mean, and almost like us, people got used to what he is. But then now, it does, now does that make you wonder, is the play calling different? Are the receivers different? And there's so many different things you have to put together to understand why they have this dilemma of not being able to, or why they don't go deep as much as they can. You got Mikhail Marshall. Come on. Uh, you know, you got uh, Trey Odoms Dukes, who's the most targeted receiver in the CFL. Big body slot back. Us, I believe his second start in Tommy Lee uh, Lewis, who's a little speedster. Uh, Luther Hakavanahu, whatever his name, Hakavanahu is back. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yep. I don't know. That's a, yeah, that's, that's why I'm not on one. TV anymore. Luther Hakunavanu. And then, of course, you got the ever reliable Reggie Bennington. I mean, they've Look, got Reggie, so ba guys. Reggie Bagleton is one of the best receivers in the CFL. Oh, absolutely. And his numbers are just not showing it because the quarterback isn't going downfield. And, and that's where Reggie Bagleton's the most dangerous. You're yep. going to see oh, if yeah. if they can get Reggie Bagleton involved, you are going to see Bagleton be met by Brandon Alexander, the safety. Yeah, that is you're, something you're going guy, to see. And DB, no touchdowns. That's the thing that really jumped out at me. He hasn't got a touchdown yet this year. I mean, he's gone. He's he's got 17 second down conversions for Jake Mayer, the quarterback. Number one, the CFL, one ahead of our own Dalton Schoen. Uh, so he really gets after it. I mean, that's a guy that can get there. Number 81, as you say, Hakanavana Van Hu. Man, this guy, uh, he, he is a stud. Luther could really get at and number Canadian. 81, a slot back. He is a dangerous receiver. He's got great hands when he goes down. So, And, of course, for them to get Mark and Mitchell back. Um, back from the they've NFL. They've got the talent. But I think the guy we should probably look at, and we, the guy's getting, I think, his third start of the year, is Kadim. Kaboom carry. Now he's back. Uh, I think that's, I mean, that, that's a one-two punch there with him and Dietrich Mills. Ridiculous talent power. there. Ridiculous yeah, level absolutely. of talent. 
I think Kadeem Carey is capable of being an MOP in the CFL if healthy. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it was one game into the season, Chris, uh, Kadeem Carey went down to injury and landed on the six game injured list, but he yep. is so dang good. Uh, time yeah. in the NFL with the Chicago Bears. A lot of people might remember him from their fantasy football lineups, but with Kerry out, Diedrich Mills was outstanding. And even with an offense that was going against defenses that knew they were going to run the ball, Diedrich Mills yeah. still so dang good. But you mentioned Odom's Dukes, big body slot back. Markeith Ambles, they recently signed, uh, comes off the practice roster and will be the designated American. Um and uh, yeah, you mentioned Tommy Lee Lewis and Mark and Michelle. Michelle right back from the NFL as well. On the defensive side of the ball, Chris, they are um, one name to, to keep an eye on is Jonathan Moxie. That is their uh, field side corner. And yeah. he is a game time decision. Has been out for a little while, but close to being able to play. Uh, can we highlight this young man right here? For those that don't yeah. know, Micah Awe leads the CFL in a whole pile of statistical categories. Last week, yeah. Rod Smith, a TSN doing the play-by-play -play when they were in BC and lost, called him Mr. Everything because he was everywhere. Um, Micah Alway was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, but never suited up. It was during the 2020 season, signed a one-year contract. That season, of course, canceled uh, due to COVID and some other things, but Alway... Cam Judge, the Canadian at the weak side, and Titus Wall, the dimebacker, a DB, but in the box, incredibly strong middle uh, middle of the Stampeders defense. Julian Hauser, Derek Wigan, uh, and Mike Rose highlight the defensive front. Mike Rose, if if they're this guy is a double team machine. He eats up two offensive linemen nearly yeah. every play, yeah. but they haven't been able to get pressure from the edges. Danny shared with uh, us on Bonfire Midweek this past week. Yeah, voters got a couple now. They're going to start Mike Moore at defensive end. Uh, Julian Hauser played for Hamilton. He's a guy that can really get after the quarterback. He's got a three sacks right now. They're looking for more out of the end. Great push at Wigan and Rose. Mike Rose, as you mentioned, He's going to command a double team most of the game. And if they start bringing Micah, you know, Awe and uh, and uh, Titus Wall, and they bring him a lot on blitzes, uh, it's going to put him in a one-on-one -on -one situation. So those inside three of the Bombers, you know, Kolonkowski, Newfield, and Jeff Gray are going to have their hands full one-on-one -on -one with one of the premier defensive tackles, if not the premier defensive tackle in the CFL. Yeah. So I'm being told now that uh, my mic has been muted while I was kind of walking through that Stampeders defensive uh, uh, depth chart, well, an offensive depth chart yeah. too. So Chris, you, you heard me. Up. You can just tell everybody, you, was I making half sense? Yeah, you're doing good, man. But I, I guess, uh, like I said, uh, <laughs> that's what technology is like, man. You never know what's going on, man. I mean, yep. as long as the people that want to listen to you are listening to you, then it's all great, man. And yeah. I was me, so I'm happy well, to hear from you. I was just saying, hey, look, th that Jonathan Moxie game time decision, uh, somebody that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on ahead of the game. Cam Judge, the Canadian at weak side linebacker, Micah Alway in the middle, one of the uh, top uh, number producers in the CFL this year. And Titus Wall, the dimebacker, incredibly talented linebacking core. And then Julian Hauser, Derek Wigan, Mike Rose and Rose in particular at defensive tackle, eating yeah. up 
double teams like absolute craziness. Uh, that really leads a, a defensive front. But Danny Austin told us on Bonfire Midweek last night that they're not getting pressure from the edges. So maybe a bit yeah. of an easier day, if you could say that, for um, Stanley Bryan and, and Jermarcus Hardrick. How, how important no, no, do you think didn't. Winnipeg's pa- uh, run game is going to be, Chris, with Drew Brown it's starting? Never, it's never as easy as that. It's never like you can put one guy on one guy because what's, I, what I can tell you is going to happen is, is Calgary is going to line up guys in different situations. And what they're going to try and do, they might put Cam Judge over Stanley, and that'll put Hauser on the back. Hmm. They're going to try and get mismatches on the pass rush. That's how you yeah. do it. You know, there's two ways to do it. You can either slide Stanley out to the big on big, which we used to do, and make the back fill against the linebacker, but you better make sure you get him there by the line of scrimmage. Don't meet him by the quarterback. So, yeah, there's a lot of games that the defense can do, and I believe they'll do that because, as you say, uh, they want more pressure from Hauser for Mike Moore. I mean, uh, Demi Berglundi, uh, they, they got some guys that can get in there, but they've got to put pressure on them. They have to beat those tackles one-on-one. And uh, for the last little while now, the Bombers' tackles especially have been playing outstanding football. Yeah. Uh, just pulling up the live chat here. Great to see everybody watching live. Uh, yeah. Uh, no- noticing now, uh, appreciate everybody shouting out, uh, the issue. Got a couple text messages, Tristan rivers, who I met at the gold eyes game, uh, people hitting the bonfire hotline. You're muted bombing. You dummy. Uh, we're good now, I think. So, uh, appreciate everybody, uh, around the bonfire letting me know that, uh, um, you know, I guess it's like yeah, I almost, you know, it's almost like I had too many brother. drinks around the bonfire, Chris. Well, and, and knowing you, no, because I know you're a prepared, uh, preparation geek. You're always 100% ready to go. So I must downplay that, baby. Now, if that was me, maybe <laughs> I, I believe you. But even I'm taking it easy. It's a beautiful day. I'm getting ready for the weekend. I'm going to be at the lake watching that game. And, you know, it's going to be a great game. On, Weather on that note, in Winnipeg, 29, 28, beautiful. Oh, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous weather, and I hope everybody's able to find themselves a bonfire, figurative yeah. or literal, somewhere this weekend and enjoy these late days of summer and, uh, you know, mid-August yeah, amen, here. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. But on that note, Chris, um, everybody has a bad day sometimes. What yeah. were you, th- like, what, what goes through your mind when you think back? It's almost forgotten now, but when you think back to how Zach Kolaris was playing, prior to the injury in particular that desperation pitch of the football on the play where Coney Ely hit him. And that was Claris's last play of the game. Very unclarish like, I mean, that is, we've seen that from other quarterbacks who are younger in status and younger in age, younger in experience. And it's something you don't normally see from a guy like Zach, why he's trying to force a situation, you know, and try to, you know, pump a ball out and get it to uh, Brady and, uh, you know, all of a sudden the guy picks it up and then he gets whacked. And I still, to me, it's, it's mind-boggling. The inconsistency of the late hit uh, compared to that. And then I watched another game when it was a late hit and they called it. So it's just it's just crazy. But, I mean, listen, the officials are, you know, they're human. We're not run by computers. We're trying to make sure we do the right thing most of the time. But to your point, yeah, Zach, that was that was interesting to watch Zach. I, I, it didn't look like he was moving around as well as he normally does either. Uh, you know, normally he seems to be a little quicker getting out of that pocket, scrambling. It almost looks like he was seeing the pressure a lot more than he was. But, hey, listen, a good comment there by Phyllis. Hey, listen, he's human. Uh, you expect a guy to come out and throw for 400 yards every game? No, it's impossible. 
there's going to be plays that we, you know, there's going to be plays in a game that a quarterback or anybody wants to bring back a bad throw, a misread. You know what I mean? And that was just one of those things that was glaring because it led to a touchdown the other way. And it also led to his injury, which left, he had to leave the game. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Drew Olatarski also left the game with a head injury. He was on the injury report this week, but day one of practice and all the way through on the field, healthy, uh, seemingly good to go. He even worked after practice, extra on-field work with Dakota Prukop, who will be the number two quarterback Friday night in Calgary. Um, Kolaris dressing as the third stringer. This is purely a contingency plan, yes? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's what Montreal did. Uh, you know, they say they they started Kalib and uh, Cody Fajardo was dressed as an insurance-only thing in Montreal. They didn't need him. Montreal really laid the boots to their plan. But that's the same thing. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you got to dress three, uh, but unless something really drastic happens, you're not going to see that third-string quarterback. Uh, and to your point, I think it's great that, uh, you know, Zach's out there working with, uh, Dakota Pro Cup and helping him out on his drops and his reads because as yet he was going through the motions. He just wasn't wearing equipment and mm-hmm. they don't want to take any chance. And like I said, it's a long season. You got nine games left, man. Why would you even risk putting him in a game where maybe he takes another shot and he's gone for longer than he needs to be? So I think this is a great job by um, Coach O'Shea in recognizing that you got your MOP on the offense, and that's Zach. He's the straw that stirs the drink. Don't don't put him in a situation. Uh, you know, he'll be there. He's going to be another set of eyes for Buck Pierce. You know that. So Buck Pierce right. and him will be working on what they see. And, and he'll be a shoulder to lean Zach on will... too, right? If, if Drew Brown comes yeah. off the field after a tough series, Absolutely. he can go right to him. Yeah. And you know that a lot of quarterbacks, much like Buck, much like uh, Ken Austin, I can go on and on and on. A lot of these guys end up being into the coaching ranks where they become coordinators of some sort. And I think Zach has that talent and that ability to do that after playing football. Uh, And this is just a step toward that. But I mean that to come off, as you say, for Drew to come off and say, what did you see? And Zach goes, well, did you see that cover? They changed the cover. Or maybe they ran man one side, zone the other. You know what I mean? That's the thing that's going to help the quarterback see. Uh, Lynn was asking, uh, and great to see you, Lynn, uh, everybody in the live chat, what's going on? Hit the thumbs up. Just go do it. Yeah. Oop, says Chris Walby. It's easy, brother. Uh, baby. what did you think of the hit on Kolaris? You asking me now? I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was late. I thought, you know, I played it in slow motion and you can see it. The ball is gone. One, two, three, bam. There's no reason. I mean, I mean, it wasn't a vicious hit, but the fact that he landed on his shoulder and head, you know, that, but you know, the weirdest thing is DB, they took it to the challenge. I mean, uh, O'Shea challenged it command center. Look at that. But you know, what are you going to do? That's how it works. You know I mean? They didn't win that challenge. Uh, it is what it is now. Right. I mean, we could all, you know, habitual plays that we think should have changed the nature of the game. And, it, you know, could be for both teams. So I, I don't know. It is what it is. It's water under the bridge right now. So we're just going to have to deal with Drew Brown. And I'm looking forward to seeing a young man come out and, and shine again. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you say deal with Drew Brown, that that's almost putting it in a way like a lot of fans are, are thinking this is about as good as you could hope for in Absolutely. a number two quarterback. He was out there slinging there. Like you said off the top, Chris, very smartly. They're, they're not going to 
pare down the playbook or trim no. it down or put in special pack. Drew Brown is going to go out there and operate as if he is Zach Kolaris, as if he is the QB one of this yeah. team. And yeah. that is an optimal situation. Uh, I'll let you comment on that and let people know we're, we're going to pull up uh, an interview with uh, Drew Brown to yeah. give people a little bit more of a perspective on this young man. Incredibly impressive, yeah. uh, impressive dude. Uh, loved his comment after the game, Chris. I don't know if you caught it on TSN, but he said this team was really good well before I got here. Sometimes you, you come and I'm paraphrasing, of course, you come in and you just kind of hope not to screw it up. Well, he threw for 304 TDs. I'll, I'll, think, I'll say this other thing, DB, before you turn to that video, uh, that clip. And that is, I love the fact that a guy, they say he's one of these guys that takes notes. Again, one of the things we talk about is consistency and chemistry. And if you have a quarterback room that is really believing in each other and trying to help each other, not worried about somebody taking his job, there's always some animosity in some of the locker rooms. Guys, like, under their breath are going, I would have made that throw, man. I should have been in the quarterback. That guy should be backing me up. That's not happening in Winnipeg. They no. realize Zach's number one. Drew is number two. Drew's got a great future. I love the fact that Zach's not threatened, and that whole locker room or that whole meeting room is just one big happy family. And and, I, and I'm not trying to exaggerate, but that's what it is. And they're all playing for each other. I know sometimes you hear that, you know, we're a family, we're playing, and you think, oh, what a bunch of crap. But they do. And so I think that that's a nice thing when they have a stable and a good uh, meeting room with Buck Pierce leading that quarterback. So uh, Drew Brown couldn't be in a better situation, I think. Yeah. Speaking of stable and good, I'm sure everybody out there appreciates how good your microphone sounds this week. Man. Yeah, you know, you got me a new mic. You came over and it was great. Uh, I know that you said you liked it when you didn't hear me, but uh, (laughs) it's okay, man. What I I never liked was... What I never liked was spending 20 minutes editing your audio afterwards. So the podcast yeah, was, was more, more listenable. Um, but Hey, let's, uh, let's get into a guy that has been very stable, very good and has people talking from coast to coast. Frankly, what I've been saying for 12 months, Drew Brown will be a starter in the CFL one day. He gets a second Absolutely. career start Friday night in Calgary against the Stampeders. Let's hear from QB two who moves to QB one this week. Yeah, maybe talk about the lousy part first. I mean, you get that chance because Zach goes down, of course. So what's that feel like? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> you know, Zach's uh, been a really important person in my life, you know, since I met him, uh, you know, he's taught me a lot of things, given me a lot of shortcuts, um, made me feel welcome uh, since the first day I got here. Um, you know, his family um, has always welcomed me and my wife uh, in their home, and, and uh, you know, we just enjoy spending a lot of time together. So, uh, obviously, the, that, the first thing that goes into your mind is, you know, is he going to be okay? Um, and it just, it's always kind of a double-edged sword situation Mm -hmm. when you know if you've ever gotten a chance to play it's either someone's gotten benched or someone's gotten hurt and it's kind of it's the the bad part of getting your opportunities that said what's it like to get the chance to show what you can do and then to have it turn out the way it did 
what's that like? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you just try and go in there and, and do what you're asked to do. Um, all three of us in that room, you know, communicate very fluidly throughout the week on what we're thinking. Uh, Buck does a good job of getting us all to understand that. Um, you know, as I reflect on it, it's been, it was really nice to, to get out there and be able to showcase what I can do. Um, you know, I haven't really had that much of a opportunity to thus far. Um, but more importantly, it was just really exciting to be out there and have the guys trust, um, you know, the receivers, the offensive line, and, you know, the defensive guys believing in me and stepping in there. Um, and that means a, means a lot to me personally. So, um, you know, as I look back on it, that's, that was pretty, um, pretty meaningful to me. Yeah. Could relief appearances get any better? <laughs> you look at the numbers and yeah. the result. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, they did a great job preparing me and, and believing in me. Um, and, you know, guys were, you know, it doesn't matter if I go to the right spot if someone doesn't create separation or if you don't have time. Uh, so, it, you know, all 12 guys were, were working um, hard to continue to chip away. And, you know, that's what we did. Uh, and you kind of see the result when we're all on the same page. What's maybe the biggest thing that Zach has uh, helped you with? I mean, so many things in regarding the game. Um, our relationship just, you know, I think he saw me come in and I was not afraid to ask questions to him. And it's really hit or miss with someone like that. And you don't know if they're going to be like, you know, piss off or if they're going to like enjoy being a teacher. And Zach's like, he's still playing and he's one of the best teachers I've been around. Um, not by the way, not just by the way that he speaks and and communicates to me, but what he does in his actions, um, you know. So I couldn't narrow it down to one thing, um, but there have been uh, a multitude of gems that, you know, so sometimes they're things he told me my first year, and now I understand them, you know, and just as they've lingered in my brain. Um, so I think the coolest part for me with Zach is, you know, it turned, you know, as he continued to I guess teach me and we continued to talk he appreciated the things that I know because you know he played the college game a while ago and I'm semi fresh out of it so he made me feel an, as an equal um, whereas a lot of times in that situation you don't ever feel that way you kind of always feel like you're below but he does a really good job of he still wants to learn um, and you know he's he's always asking me questions about stuff I did in college and I think that's that's kind of a what's the word I'm looking for that's there couldn't be one thing I could tell you you know what I mean it's just like our whole relationship I'm just like light bulb light bulb light bulb you know so it's it's pretty neat do you feel like you've grown a lot since that game in Vancouver last year? Also, you played well just probably two throws you went back to that one but do you feel like you've grown a lot or changed a lot since that game or yeah, I think, uh, you know, going back to that game, you know, there's certain things that you do in season, um, game planning wise, I guess, that you don't really put on tape in the preseason. So, you know, it's not like those are wasted reps, but like certain things that we're asked to do in season, it's just really important to like rep those pictures um, and see what the adjustments are formationally. Um, and so, 
just how fluidly that goes on in my brain in the in in the pre-snap. Um, it's you know, I still feel like I have a lot a lot of room to grow, but um, you know, every game it's like it's starting to be a little bit quicker, a little bit quicker. Um, you know, so I'm always appreciative of, of any time I get in there, even if we're blowing a team out, just to literally see the to see him come over like you know you're just seeing those pictures in your head um, are important um, and you know our defense doesn't necessarily do some of the things that we're looking for so um, those are those are important things that you you kind of take note of and I do think that comfort comes also within a game um, you know you're not just in there like okay there's three minutes left I'm gonna get to throw the ball once okay let's make the most of it it's kind of like okay now I can kind of get in rhythm um, so to answer your question, I do feel like I've gotten a lot more comfortable. If, uh, if Zach misses some time, I mean, obviously this could be a chance for you to show that you could be a starter in this league, right? Sure. Sure. You, know, you being a free agent after this year. How do you, do you think about that? Do you try not to think about that? How do you just kind of cope with that? Because obviously that's, you know, it could be a big chance for you in your career, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're so busy to like, on what we're supposed to be doing. Um, we're always very present. Um, texting or meeting about you know what we're gonna do and uh, I don't it's hard um, to think you know down the road um, you know but I'm human and I have before um, but I always just kind of brush it aside because it's not important right now what happens um, after this year uh, it's not important to me right now I'm just gonna handle what's you know in front of me do you want, to, you want to quick explain in the area of bracelets? One of them says, I am second, which I find interesting. Yeah, so that's just, uh, I, was, I did, was pretty involved in, like, FCA when I was in college. Um, you know, it just is a reminder that, you know, you're second um, in what you believe. Uh, and, you know, we, as a believer, I believe that God's first and, and that you honor God. And the I promise is just about... Uh... Yeah, I mean, that was a, the I promise was a gift if you can call it a gift. Uh, before my first start uh, at Hawaii, one of my buddies on the team gave it to me. And he said, make a promise to yourself. Make a promise to be great. And honestly, I never really thought much about it. Uh, but I do think it's kind of cool that it's still hanging around. That was a long time ago. So this is start number two coming up, then, uh, potentially. You shouldn't jump the gun, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really sure how it's going to work out. Um, but I'll know. I know that you know we'll prepare like it's any other week. Sure. You know, all three of us prepare um, in unison and communicate really yeah. well with each other. Did you surprise yourself with anything you did on the last game? Um, no, I was just I had a lot of fun, and you know, as, when you're in the position that I've been in, um, there are other things that you find fun that you may have not before. Um, it gives you a chance to to observe a little bit more. Um, so you appreciate some of the things that you're doing, maybe like thinking back, like, okay, when I was a starter, and the guy that was behind me was really good at communicating the stuff that I either didn't have the patience for or I forgot about. Um, and, you know, you find out those certain things. Um, but you also forget how fun it is to compete mm -hmm. and how fun it is to just go through hard stuff out there you know what I mean uh, and to get as weird as it sounds to get hit every once in a while it can be fun too yeah there's there's certain <laughs> things you just forget about so I wouldn't say I was surprised by anything that I did um, 
just because I have a high belief in myself, but um, I do, I miss playing. It's, it's a lot of fun yeah. to get out there. I think that's why I chose it as a career path. <laughs> Maybe a tough question to answer, but you played with a lot of boys. Mm. I've had a lot of people tell me that. Is that something you've always had? Understanding that's probably a tough one to, yeah. to answer. I mean, I think that's something that people tell you you have. Um, and, you know, it's when, when it's, when you're very focused on what you have to do in that moment, you know, that's what it'll probably look like. If you're worried about things that you can't control, then um, I can see how someone could get frazzled. Sure. Um, but, you know, anytime that I think about the moment too much, I just remind myself, like, my first college snaps was at Michigan in front of 120,000. Um, and we were getting the shit kicked out of us. So it's like, it like is worse a situation as you could possibly get in. Yeah. And I held my own. So um, that was kind of a cool moment for me to be able to grasp onto because that was essentially the first time I ever had that chance to, to get my foot in the door at that level. You know, in high school, you're, typically all of us were the best player on the team. Went to junior college one of the best players on the team yeah. and then you know you get to that level and you're like oh my goodness like there's Jabril Peppers and you know there's all these guys that are in the NFL or gonna go to the NFL yeah. and it's kind of like okay let me let me just do my job and then and then it goes goes well for you and that's kind of something that I've I've clung on to is that experience because it was it was pretty nuts um, as I look back and and just reflect on it but in that moment like I said you just you're kind of blinders on doing what you got to do right thanks Drew. so of course what's fca drew brown incredibly impressive young man and uh i asked him at the end there you know what's fca and it's uh it's a christian uh fellowship association of some kind okay. and, uh you know clearly faith important to him but um i asked him about composure because so often chris we we see these young quarterbacks come in and they look a little frazzled, right? If you see enough football in your life, you can kind of pick up on the body language. And he just looked like he'd been there so many times before. And when I asked him about it, and you, you heard him talk about like, you know, getting the getting the shit kicked out of them, uh, you know, at the big yeah. house in Michigan in Ann Arbor against Big Blue, the other Big Blue, um, you know, playing th those big games. And he held his own. Uh the way he answered that, it's like he's been told before he has that composure. So when a yeah. quarterback comes to pro football and he can make all the throws and he's smart and he puts in the work and he has that composure nearly immediately, like, look, he's not a rookie. He's a third year player, but that was his, you know, first big chunk of a meaningful game, a huge comeback, the second biggest comeback in yeah. Blue Bombers franchise history. And this guy just did it like it was no big deal. And he threw for four TDs and over 300 yards. Exceptional. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, too, is people get to look at the guy behind the face mask when you did that interview with him, which I thought was a great interview, DB. Uh, first thing that popped off to me was what a well-spoken young man he mm -hmm. is. Uh, he doesn't just you know rattle out answers. He thinks yeah. about what he's going to say before he says it. Yeah. Uh, you can tell he's brought up properly. He's got great beliefs, uh, you know, in, in his whole family and his life. He's not trying to look too far ahead where it might happen. He's happy to be here. I love the comment, as you said, you know, you know, he got his first snap in front of 110,000 people in Michigan. 
Uh, you know, he's he knows that he can play this game. He's waiting for his opportunity to play this game. Uh, and I think that he's proven that he can play this game. But again, we always say this, man, one game does not make a career. But I still think if I had to take this guy versus some of the other backups in the league, it'd be hands down I'd be taking Drew Brown. I just like the way the guy comes and approaches the game. I talked about this earlier. He is a guy that studies film and makes notes about everything. Uh, it, it could be a comment by Zach. It could be a comment by Dakota Brukop. He'll write it down and memorize it. And you can see this is one of these guys that visualizes the game. He doesn't just play the game. He plays the game mentally before the game. Yeah. What happens if they bring this guy up to me? What if they put a, you know, a couple linebackers up? What am I looking? Where's my first read? And that's what impressed me that the hell out of me last week was, man, the pressure is on him. And he'd roll out and he threw a beautiful ball. Even almost like sidearm, almost like a Mahoney from Kansas. You know, I mean, it, it just, you got to like a guy like this and you got to like his attitude and you got to like the way he comes across yeah. in the media. And that's the first time or, that I've heard a lot lengthy interview with him. And I'm impressed with the young man. And when you see a guy like that, you want only good things to happen for him. So, yeah. You know, I'm I'm hoping that Drew just comes back and lights it up again against Calgary. Uh, there will be people that will wonder: Should Winnipeg move forward with Drew Brown? Now, it's it's way too early to say that. Oh, it's way too early. Yeah. But if Drew Brown continues to equate himself like this, and the Bombers are looking at a decision, they have Zach Kolaris under contract through 2024 and 2025. There's two years remaining on his deal and Drew Brown is entering or uh, is entering free agency this year. Do you, do you throw some money at Drew Brown to have him stay with Winnipeg? No, it's not going to happen. First off, like, I'm Drew not Brown's saying nice starter kid. money, but do you, you know, well, do you pay well, premium no, backup money? You hit, what money? You just hit the head on the, the, the nail on the head. You, you know what? You're not – he doesn't want to be a backup. Nobody wants to come in this league to be a backup. Yeah, he's great when he comes in. He plays great. But he's – everybody plays to go to the next level. He's not talking about NFL right now. But he mentioned it a little bit in his comments there. Yeah. yeah. And nobody he, – he's not looking there yet. I'm not even saying it's in on his, on his radar. No. But nobody comes into this league. Nobody plays to be a backup. I don't go, man, I hope I can back up Zach again. And if they offer me money, why would I do that? No, man. You know what? I want to build my resume up to the point where let's make this choice difficult. It will it be difficult? No. If Zach stays healthy and still plays the way he is, there's not a choice. And that's going to be the come to question. Does Drew want to stay here or does he want to get out on his own and, you know, create his own name, creating his own legacy? I just think Drew Brown, if he continues to play and will go in the path he's going, is not going to want to. Even though he loves the locker room, he loves the guys, you want to play. And to give him money as a backup, that defeats the purpose to me. It, it's just like you're just saying, you know, I'm putting – it's like, you know what? You, you know, you ever get those uh, – what do you call those things? The fleas. You know what? You put a bunch of fleas in a cup. Those fleas will jump out of the cup. Mm -hmm. If I put a lid on that cup, after a while, them fleas keep hitting their head on the cup, hitting their head in the cup, they don't jump anymore. No incentive. That's what happens when you give a quarterback backup money all the time. He doesn't want to play anymore. He just says, you know what? I don't want to be a backup. Nobody wants to be a backup. Come on, baby. No, unless I, you really don't think you have – unless you think you cannot be a starter. 
Right. And there's no way in God's green earth this kid thinks he can't start somewhere. So no, I mean, let's just put that to rest. And that flea story, that's a true story, brother. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I went to the flea circus as a kid. I know all about it, man. The flea circus. I went to the flea market as a kid. You act to the flea circus? Flea circus, man, yeah. What is that? Not a whole lot of room to watch, but it was good. That was pre-iPad days. I know that because the kids don't know what a flea circus What's a flea circus? Uh, flea circus, where do you get them? They ride the tightrope. They, uh, oh, they do a little juggling with uh, miniature little uh, mothballs. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. <laughs> like, the, do they ride the elephants too, right? Because the circus is all about the elephants. But you know what? And let's give Craig Smith a little shot here. Yep. Uh, he's always on the on a, on a podcast with us. We love him. And bombers have the best front office in the CLF. I mean, Kyle, Danny, and Ted, they do a fantastic job of scouting and bringing in talent. And when you're bringing in this kind of talent that makes decisions hard, that's what you want. Yep. You don't want an easy decision. You want tough decisions. Well, yeah, tough decisions are good decisions, right? Um, but yeah. to Craig's point, hopefully they can keep them. As Craig says, you know, for those listening on podcast, Craig says, I've seen it before. Bombers have the best front office in the CFL. Kyle Walters, yeah. Danny, um, uh, Danny McManus, and Ted Gavaya. Hopefully they can yeah. keep them. Uh, Kyle Walters is in the final year of his contract. I believe Very Danny McManus yeah. and Ted Gavaya as assistant GMs are also on one-year deals uh, or in, in the final year. So the, to me, these are some of the big biggest free agent signings that not Kyle Walters needs to address this offseason, but that uh, well, there was, that Wade remember, Miller needs to address. Remember, there was a big stink when they extended Wade and they extended, you know, and then he didn't extend Kyle. Yeah. And so it was, what's going on with Kyle? Is this Kyle's last year? And then they're worried about losing Danny and Ted. Yeah. But I think Danny right now is on the on radar of a lot of teams right now. I think Danny would be one of those guys that seriously, not only as a scout, but I think as a GM. Yeah, Ted, Ted Gavaya for sure. And yeah, exactly. Both so, of them. I mean, Both of and them. maybe these guys have signed a pact, a blood pact, you know, where there's one goes, we all go. You know what I mean? You never know. <laughs> yeah. When you, you're working good together, maybe we want to hang together for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes people just like working together, right? So. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's like, well, did you, if, hey, if, hey, if you hey, get, you, if you find success and you like yeah. one another, Stick it did out. You, did you read the Did you read the articles about the uh, the president who got let go in, in Edmonton, Victor Cuey? Yep, uh, Cuey, and that you read in some of the other articles about how he he was accused of being a bully, uh, accused of treating his staff like garbage, accused of a toxic arguing. work environment. Like, yeah, toxic. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. And that and to, to, that's to your point, DB. That's to, exactly to your point. When you have a great relationship and you're working, you love coming to work. If you're with a with a toxic work environment, you're like, oh God, I got to show up another eight hours. I got to be back there. Um, it's not fun. And nobody wants to be like that. So again, one of the scenarios I think that, as you mentioned, Kyle, Ted, and Danny have is they get along fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what, what I know about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is that while he is the head coach and that is under the upper brass under GM and under president. Okay. What I know about the blue bombers is that it is Mike O'Shea's show. Mike O'Shea is the boss and it's worked incredibly well. It is unique. It's a different dynamic, but it has worked incredibly well because winning solves 
everything. And the Blue Bombers have been winning now for a long time, and they look to be winning again this season. Uh, It is Grey Cup or bust. It's been Grey Cup or bust since 2019, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they've been on an incredible run. I mean, obviously, they lost last year to Toronto. I think they're front runners again, but Toronto's strong as well this year. And again, I've said this before. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And if a team really starts to catch fire near the end, it, I tell you, great things can happen for a team that happens like that. So, I mean, nobody's really out of it except for maybe a couple of teams on the, you know, maybe Edmonton. And yeah, I can't see them come zero. Saskatchewan. Nine, I mean, basically. Saskatchewan, uh, their head coach. And maybe you never GM, know. But, final year of their uh, deal. Calgary, if you watched Calgary last year, I think it was last year, uh, they lost six. Uh, they were three and six at the same time last year, and they rattled off six wins in a row. So there's momentum. And there's an opportunity to change the course of your where you're going, the direction you're going into. Losing breeds winning. I mean, winning is fun. Losing can also breed as well. It's like it's like a mold in your in your in your house. You can't get rid of it. You know it what I mean? It gets worse and worse. And, it, and all of a sudden, you get yeah. behind a little bit. Next thing, you're like going, you know what? Here we go again, baby. You know, you start thinking, where are we going for beers after? Because the game's over. That's that's the worst thing in the world, man. So yeah. Hey, Chris, uh, look, the, the game at hand here is an important one because every game is important in the CFL well, West. In the West. And, yeah. you know, uh, the BC Lions are 7-2, and two, tied with Winnipeg for first place. Of course, we're looking towards that monster game October 6th in Vancouver yeah. with those two teams squaring off, uh, which could effectively be the deciding game between your franchise making a million dollars on playoff ticket sales and not. Yeah. However, to, uh, Friday night, Bombers Stampeders, uh, it's Drew Brown, it's Jake Mayer, it's a, a very injured and getting back to health Stampeders team. It's a very healthy uh, roster, pretty much top to bottom in Winnipeg. Yeah. What are your keys to the game? What will it take for Winnipeg to capture a victory and, you know, string together... Um, you know, their fourth win in a row after uh, a real tough letdown game in, in Ottawa in overtime. You know, I think there's a number of points. And the, my number one is get off to a better start. You can't go down 22 nothing. That's the biggest thing, right? Protect the football is a huge thing. They had one turnover last week and it led to a touchdown. You must, I think the big thing, though, is you must establish Brady. Brady Oliver, who leads the league in rushing and on all purpose yards, has to be a major factor tomorrow. You want to take as much pressure off Drew Brown. Uh, yeah, great game last week, four touchdown passes. But remember, he hasn't started many. I think it's the second game he may have started first this year for sure. I mean, you want to get him comfortable back there. So that's really what I think. So the the old line and the, and the run game are, are paramount. On defense, it's almost the opposite. You've got to stuff. You've got to stuff. I think this double monster of Kaboom, Kadeem Carey, and Dynamite, uh, you know, Diedrich Mills. These are two of the best running backs in the CFL, and they've had big games against the Bombers. But uh, now Kadeem Carey being healthy uh, is huge. I think you have to force uh, Jake Mayer to beat you through the air. This is a guy who has not thrown a touchdown pass this year against Bombers, has not thrown a touchdown pass in the last three games. Let's keep it this way. And on special teams, I'm just going to go to a different thing. I'm going to say, I want to put some we don't, I haven't seen anybody go after punt block yet. But I want to put some pressure on Cody Grace, the uh, Calgary punter who leads the CFL 
with an outstanding 49.4 yard average. And he punts. He's got eight inside the 10 yard line, which also leads the CFL. I would like to rattle him and force him to shank a few punts. Oh, I like it. I like it. You know, that's it, baby. The the Stampeders kicking game is is really where they've been relying on yeah. for points. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, Winnipeg's defense needs to keep uh, Renee Paredes in the 40 plus yeah. range and obviously, 18 of last 18. Obviously keep uh, the, the Jake Mayer's arm and the offense out of the end zone. Um, but I don't think I'll it's necessarily thing, going to be an easy task, Chris. No, but I'll say one more thing too. We don't. We haven't really touched on this, and I know last year we did a lot with Legio. This is a game that features two of the best kickers in the CFL. Right. One, a definite first-round CFL Hall of Famer, and Renee Paradis, who is twenty-seven of thirty, last eighteen in a row, six for six, over fifty yards. And then you look at the other side. Our guy Sergio Castillo, three for three over fifty. He's only missed one kick. Two of the best. So if you are a kicker and you love watching field goals and you like that kind of stuff, these are two of the greatest to watch. So look at you, Chris Walby, pulling up kicker stats. What's going on? This is what happens when I haven't had a beer pregame, buddy. You just, well, think about that. No beer and you're reading. I know it's crazy, man. You see my (laughs) notes are all over the thing here. I'm like, oh. I don't, I, all I know, I know one thing about Chris Walby. If you're drinking, you ain't reading. You're laughing. No, I know. And the other thing is this liquor strike pissing me off. Hey, this liquor strike's pissing me off. <laughs> you know, uh, final thoughts on this one, Chris. I mean, uh, we're going to get a good long look at Drew Brown. Uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see how Buck Pierce has a game plan against a very, very talented, frankly, very talented Calgary Stampeders defense. Is it going to be wide open wild west let drew brown sling it or will they be a little bit more conservative just to ensure that things don't get out of hand for a young quarterback well you know it's interesting you say that because i'll leave it at this too most of the time some teams will script the first five six plays Mm -hmm. and what they do is they're doing that to determine how the defense is going to adjust to what you're running so i think what's going to be it's one of those games where each team's going to fill each out for uh, fill each other out for a little bit i expect I would not be very surprised if it's not one of the first two drives that Jake Mayer tries to go deep on us just to say, hey, man, maybe I haven't done it, but I'm going to do it. And I think you're going to see the Bombers. I, I really think they're going to see a little bit more of uh, outside, get a little uh, screen passes to uh, Greg McRae. I think you're going to have a lot of the uh, screens and draws with Brady. So I think it's gonna, you're going to have a really great um, scheme of things. It'll be Brent Monson, the defense coordinator. Going against obviously uh, Buck Pearson, the our wild offense, and then of course you got uh, Richie Hall uh, going against. And you corrected me, and God bless you for that, Mark Mueller, the offensive play caller for the Calgary Stampeders. There yeah. you go, brother. No doubt. Uh, Waiters has a score prediction: twenty six thirteen for Winnipeg. Not bad. Um, Not for bad. for those that are, what happened to your camera? It's right there. Look at you! You you, you oh. jumped. Oh, you know what happened. <laughs> I got a little excited. Yeah, you did. There you go. Uh, you know I what? I'll, smacked, I smacked the table. Let's see. Can I fix you? I'm, str- I'm shrinking. Eh, not bad. That's okay. We're at the end of the podcast. We, we, we are at the end. I wanted to pull up a couple comments uh, of, uh, you know, some people's uh, questions uh, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, Jamie Fedden, uh, watching, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, watching live on Facebook. What's going on, Jamie? Good to see you. Uh, what is Chris's favorite stadium that he played in on the road? 
You know where it was? And I'm I'm not going to lie there, buddy. Jamie, it was Calgary. I loved playing in Calgary. Loved that field. I loved the turf. I don't know. Just I felt great there all the time. Um, You know, I just had, I felt like I could have great games there. It just seems like I had a lot of success there. There's no offensive lineman going against some of the great defensive linemen they had back then. But uh, I loved Calgary. I liked the locker rooms, the atmosphere, the crowd. Uh, It's just a first-class facility. And, uh, yeah, Saskatchewan, no, worst. Hamilton was the worst. Three bathrooms for a team. What? Three bathrooms. Like three urinals or three stalls? Three, or uh, Three three stall like toilets. So you got to go in there and all of a sudden, you know, you got to line up and you get the pregame jitters and, you know, to try to get all that well, the jitters. carbs you just ate. Well, you, know, you, you, you used to drink a ton a of coffee, deposit. right? Well, we drank a lot of coffee and a lot of, uh, what do you call that stuff? Uh, uh, the, we break the capsules. Oh, the caffeine oh, pills. Come on. Uh, no caffeine pills. The other one, ginseng. Oh, ginseng. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a I natural. Would, that's like a natural caffeine. I, I could run like a deer. I could run like a deer, brother. A deer. I, I, if I went, if I put a pair of antlers on my head and ran through the bushes, I'd outrun the hunters. I. You know what? That's what I'm telling you, man. Maybe, woo, a, maybe baby. a John Deere. You know, as Ric Flair used to say, "Woo, baby." <laughs> <laughs> uh, another uh, another one I wanted to to bring here. Uh, <laughs> Drew gonna Drew cook. Gonna I, I have a, I have a good feeling that, that Drew Brown is gonna cook uh, as well. Bluto smash. Uh, people loving the the energy well, you're you're bringing here, Chris. Uh, I, some people I, have been I, calling for Luca. Is Luca there? Yeah, he's right here down here. He's I got I have my other son's dog here today too. Yeah. Merle, named after Merle Haggard. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, my other son's dog is Brooks, named after Garth Brooks, and mine is just Luca, named after the famous opera singer. Luca, I don't know what his last freaking name is. <laughs> Lu- Luciano Pavarotti? Oh, there you go. Look at you. Man, rando. Well, you're, you're uh, right Jay on. Miller with a ridiculous comment, but might be the comment of the night. Uh, tramp stamps are getting motorboated. I don't even know what that means, but it's kind of funny. It's I know funny. what motorboat means, but that's, that's weird. Well, I know what yeah. that means, but I don't know what tramp stamps well, get. Like, tramp thing. stamps? That's a good one. The other thing that's really going to be important there, uh, DB, and we didn't really talk. Well, I talked about a fast start, but even more so is Drew Brown has to get off to a good start. Yeah. Nothing destroys a young man's confidence than going into a game and maybe throwing a bad pass, getting a pick, fumbling a ball, a bad read, getting a hit. Uh, he needs to find that rhythm. And that's why I really do believe they need to get Brady Oliveira involved early and often. So I like it. There you go, buddy. I like it. Well, hey, everybody, uh, I know we had some issues with uh, the mics muting when we were pulling up the uh, the screen share. We'll get that straightened yeah. out on the post-game show. Zach Schnitzer will join me. Zach uh, Schnitzer. And it, I know we didn't pull up the Bombers depth chart, but here's what you need to know. It's exactly the same as last week, except Zach Kolaris is not QB1, he's QB3. Healthy yeah. enough to dress, but will not start. It will be Drew Brown. That's it. No changes yeah. for a second straight week for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's really really something okay chris yeah, have a good. great weekend my friend uh hey you too buddy hey, and, Friday and DB, as you said enjoy it we're, we're almost in fall beautiful weather coming up mm-hmm. 30 29 on a weekend i'm telling you right now if you have to get a lot of ice because you got to do something to keep that beer cold brother that's what i'm saying right there there's a tip of the day amen get ice all right man i'd love to see you but i gotta go because uh what's that yeah okay liquor strikes over yeah <laughs>